Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Doe's Nose. This episode is being brought to you in part by Kona Boys, Kona Coffee and Tea, Maverick Sport Fishing, Hurley Clothing, GoPro, Deuce Gym, and Original Nutritionals. Don't forget, you can find me on all social media at uh, Dozer Dave Barnett on Facebook, Dozer Dave on Instagram, and Dozer Dave Knows on Twitter. Also, check out my website, dozenose.com, where you get to see in-depth on all my guests, all kinds of cool photos and videos and little bios on these guys. And um, this week, we have a really special guest. It's a friend of mine from New Zealand. He is a uh, two-time America's Cup winner. He's an Olympic medalist. He's won over a dozen World Cups. He actually just got back from Sardinia, and he just won the World Cup there again. And uh, he has over 25 national titles. This guy's a badass sailor. He's been everywhere in the world. And luckily, he was able to come sit down with me, and we we got to actually hang out for a week. And we were uh, chilling all over the beaches and in the valleys and seeing some really cool spots. And we kind of wrapped up at the beautiful Kohanaiki Resort where we were sitting up at the bar looking at the sunset and overlooking the water and just, yeah, it was incredible. And we kicked back and we talked story and now you guys get to hear what we talked about. So let's give a big warm welcome to Craig Monk. Craig, welcome to Doe's Nose. Craig, welcome to the show, bro. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good Dude, to be here. I'm so excited. We're sitting right here at the beautiful Kohanaiki Resort. It's actually the third time I've done a podcast here. Really? I did my very first one with G-Love here. Nice. And I did another one with Parker McLaughlin, the professional golfer. Yeah. And this place is just stunning. We're sitting on the beach at this beautiful beach bar. There's nobody here except for our bartender, Mr. Bronson here. And he is hooking us up with all kinds of goodies. and uh, But, yeah, there's nothing else here except for this beautiful ocean of sailboats and trees and, yeah, you and I. Yeah, I know. That's perfect. All right. Remember what I, I told you? Remember what I told you about when you turn your head, you got to keep your... Yeah, copy yeah, that. we got to keep copy that, that. that I was way. just yeah. admiring the view. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Maybe I should have sat the other way around. Yeah, well, we've, <laughs> we've had quite a... F- this, you've been here since Wednesday. Yes. And we've been having nothing but fun since you got here. Oh, I know. And I'm sure it's not over yet, but uh, you have been the best host ever. Well, thank you. Thank ever. you. And we've done everything. Now, you came here um, with somebody we both love very special, Jackie Hunter. And she is just an amazing creature, i got to tell you. <laughs> she has had us in stitches. Yeah, she has. Just laughing she our has. asses off. She has. And, uh, but we've been doing some really cool shit. Yeah. <clears throat> Traveling all over the island. We went stand-up paddle boarding, um, went to some really cool beaches, had some amazing sunsets. Uh, yesterday was super fun. We yeah. went up to the north side of the island, Pololu Valley. and We did the off-roading is what I liked. 
Yeah. I like how you can just drive your car off the road. You go straight into some bushes. Dude, we're in the bush. There's nobody around. around. All of a sudden, a couple of Hawaiians would pop out yeah. of the cane grass. Yeah, and we're like, whoa, bro, where'd you, you come from? <laughs> you pull the, the boot up, and out comes a 12-pack of beer, and then the hammocks, and we got the chairs, and we're <laughs> yeah. all set up with our five minutes. Right? Oh, dude, it we're was the so locals. much fun. It was so it's much awesome. fun. We were up on the Kohala Coast. <laughs> And like you said, we had some hammocks set up. We had some lawn chairs, cooler beer, some reggae going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we even got some videos of yeah. us dancing. Yeah, we did. We yeah, did. That was that was a no, lot of fun. It's been good downtime. Really good downtime. Yeah. Now you're Exciting. just coming off something amazing. Uh, you just came off a big win for the World Cup. That's right. That's you were right. over in Sardinia. Yeah, only one week ago we were in uh, Porto Cervo, Sardinia, with an American team called Balamento. Uh huh. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a large boat, a maxi-class yacht with 20 crew. And I've been on the boat for like four seasons now, or four years. And we've been enjoying a little bit of a purple patch, actually, of, of winning. I don't think we've lost one maybe in two years right now. So Yeah, well, yeah, what, what type of boat is it? Is it's it a, catamaran? It's, it's a monohull. It? It's a, a specialty, a special one-design class. It's got to fi- fi- fix into a roll. Uh-huh. Um, it's quite large, as I said. It's 72 feet long. And uh, weighs about 17 tons. Jeez. And it's a stripped-out racer, although you can sail it offshore, but it gets pretty hairy offshore mm-hmm. because it's so stripped out and there's no comforts. How many other boats were in the race? Uh, there's six other boats from uh, all around the world. They're very, very expensive yachts to, to right. campaign at this level. Like what, what are we talking about? Uh, I, I would say about $8 million, eight to $10 million to build oh. and, and easily around 4 to $5 million a year running costs. Holy shit. Which is, you know, it's, it's a sport and, and um, you know, these boats aren't commercially sponsored. They're, they're owner-driven. Right. That's part of the rule. So the owner has to steer the yacht himself right. or herself. Like Larry Ellison. Exactly. So if you if you build the boat and buy or own the boat, you have to drive the boat yourself. Even in these World Cup races. Yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, I mean, you you can get the America's Cup's different. It's uh-huh. another level of, of the sport that I've been in. But the current level I'm in at the moment is is the World Cup or, or the maxi boat class where they're owner drivers, mm-hmm. and and that's that's the the beauty of the class actually because you get to meet these owners who are passionate about the sport, mm-hmm. as passionate as you are. And uh, for us as sailors, it's, um, we don't even look at it as a job, really. Yeah. You know, we're showing them how to get the most out of their boats, which they really love. They're business owners and yeah, they like to absolutely. win at everything they want to do. So, and, and that's the same drive as we have as, as pro sportsmen. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got a pretty decorated history as a sailor. Um, but before we get to that, how did you get started in this? I, you know, I think you pretty much... You had a scholarship, from what I heard, as a rugby rugby yes. player in New Zealand. Yes. Well, well, those of you who know about New Zealand, uh, rugby is our national sport. The All Blacks. The All Blacks are uh, world-renowned, and, and that's what every little six-year-old or eight-year-old, ten-year-old boy wants to be an All Black. Uh-huh. And I was no exception. And um, because of my size and, and sporting... And you're huge, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you're I, a freaking I could tank. actually run back then, too. But yeah. <laughs> um, I sort of got drafted. Well, I did get drafted into a high school to uh, get groomed to be to be an all-black, a possible all-black. Um, and that was at the age of 15. So they start headhunting and looking for people like, like they do in the U.S., I guess, mm-hmm. that show talent. They have scouts, right. Yeah, yeah. but we're talking 30-plus years ago. So Well, they didn't have to look far for you, <laughs> dude, because you, like, encompass a whole area. You're yeah. a gigantic human being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I enjoyed, you know, like, like playing team sports, 
uh, until the level, and we didn't start winning because I like to win at everything I do. Mm-hmm. Very competitive. Right. And, um, y- you know, rugby's a winter sport too, and, and it's quite seasonal in New Zealand. And so in the summers, I like Hawaii. They're very beautiful, windy, mm-hmm. lots of waves. And I uh, took up sailing as a sport in the summer to keep fit for rugby. And uh, it's a small community sailing in New Zealand, especially 30 years ago. What part of New Zealand did you come from? I actually came from a farming community in the middle of the North Island, and my father was a butcher, uh-huh. and uh, basically farmers. Right. And we moved to the Big Smoke, Auckland, I think. Uh, well, before we get to that part, did you guys, um, being that you guys were farmers and your, your dad was a butcher... Did you guys get, like, red stag coming in and stuff like that? Because I want to go to New Zealand yeah, to hunt well, red stag. Yeah, there's a lot of sheep jokes in New Zealand. That's the only thing. But no, yeah. there's good hunting in New Zealand. But Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so then you went to Auckland. Yeah, okay. yeah. We moved to Auckland. Really, uh, you know, my dad, we, we used to travel a lot on the weekends like all parents do. Mm. Um, and it's, it happened to be like a six-hour drive from where we lived to Auckland. So, so dad thought, you know, stuff at Craig's showing some ability in the sport. Um, let's let's move there, and I'll buy a butcher shop in Auckland, and he can sell all he wants. Right, yeah, and that's kind of how it started. And um, but you know, but at the t- at the same time, you were also focused on being an all black as well. I was still focused on being an all black. And I remember you said that you had a workout partner. Yeah, and you got drafted as an all black. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I took rugby quite seriously, and I think I just took my sport seriously at a young age. Uh-huh. And that's where there was starting to be a little bit of interest in the Olympics. And I remember watching the Olympics and always wanting to... I used to get scared on school sports days, Mm -hmm. get nervous. But I've always been told, if you're nervous, that's a great sign of an athlete. Uh You know, the more nervous you get, the more prepared you you are, you know, about your surroundings. So, and I thought, you know, I couldn't imagine myself going to an Olympic Games and and representing your country and, the, and then meddling. Right. That was just a wildest dream, you know, right. for a 15-year-old. Yeah. And I almost thought it would be easier to be an all-black. probably would be, uh-huh. looking back. But then you, you were telling me that you had that one guy that you were training with, and he was just a little skinny bloke, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, are you kidding me? You're going to the Olympics <laughs> for this? Yeah, dude, I could totally smoke your ass. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of things in life are, you know, you meet people. It's all about the people you meet and the people that you look up to that become role models. And this this particular guy is still you know, famous in the sport, but I was there at the outset of his career, uh-huh. and he went off and got a gold medal in the sport of sailing. Wow. And that really hit me and opened up. Well, maybe my skill level, even though I was younger, was probably not at his level, but I thought I could get there. Uh-huh. I've seen what he's put in to get there. I'm willing to do that. If mm. you're willing to do the workload, you will get to the Olympics. Yeah. Once you get there, it's a whole other ballgame, which we can talk about. But um, I just saw that happen and unfold in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of at that point when I saw that gold medal that he won, that I'd sort of dropped the whole all-black dream <laughs> right. and thought, I'm changing tack here and, and, and going to go to the Olympics. Yeah. And, and there's no real half measures once you decide that. Um, I think it did take me eight years to get a medal mm-hmm. full-time. Um, and what, what Olympic? Was I, it the 84 yeah. Olympics? Because yeah. we're the same age. Yeah, yeah. So I, w- I would only imagine by your age that you're saying that yeah. it would be the 84 Olympics. Yeah, and I think that was in L.A. In L.A. Those are the, yeah, the Olympics that my friend meddled in. Uh-huh. It took me two more Olympics 
to get there. Mm. Um, so I tried out for the 88 Olympics in Korea mm. and missed out on the trials because you have to trial for the Olympics and make a standard before gotcha. your country will even back you because mm-hmm. it costs quite a bit of money to send each athlete. Right. And, and New Zealand particularly just don't want to send people who are not metal potential. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, now, I know that with um, a lot of these sailings, like the America's Cup, the World Cup, it's a team yeah. sport. You know, yeah. you have like 20 different people on the boat, yes. you're, you're doing like 10 on, 10 off, yep. four yep. hour shifts, right? Yeah. Um, for the Olympics, I think it's a little bit different. I think it's a... So different. It's a one man it's event, so isn't it? Yeah, single handed. Yeah. And, and there's not that many Olympic events that are team either. So that's what's so tough about the Olympics. You know, like you train every day. No one really cares whether you get out of bed or you don't get out of bed at mm-hmm. five in the morning. You know? So you're, you've got to be so self-driven, right. self-disciplined for, for eight years. I did it for 12 years, in actual fact, because I went to the 96 Olympics as well. So when you look back and I'm thinking, Jesus, I did that every day. That's all I thought about. I rolled out of bed and thought about today I'm training for an Olympic gold medal. That's yeah. all I thought about. Nothing else. Yeah. So my life was a little bit. I'm thinking of, about chicks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the distractions are there. That's the, right. <laughs> all the time, and and that's the the tough part of it. You've got all this talent, but you've still got to harness it and be focused, mm-hmm. and and you're completely results driven. So, so so when country nat- nationals are looking at you for funding reasons, they're not going to fund someone who's 120th in the world at something mm-hmm. at a, your Olympic event. So you have to, year in, year out, be in the top, well, for New Zealand, top 10 before they'll even consider you for funding right. at your chosen event. If you're in the top three, then you're considered as a medal potential. Um, if you're number one in the world, which I was in 92, uh-huh. um, you, know, you, you, get, you get some good funding, you know, and, and you can get the job done. Well, what type of boat were you on during the I Olympics? was on a boat called the Finn class, which is single-handed heavyweight men's division right heavyweight meaning it starts at about 220 pounds minimum okay up to like 280 pounds and you were weighing at that time i was around at 250 250 yeah and you're walking around right now around what 225 225 yeah 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 but a lot of track i mean i enjoy i i I won't i won't lie i enjoy lifting heavy things short distances apart Mm -hmm. from that rock we tried to lift yesterday oh my god yeah bronson (laughs) i gotta tell you he uh Tried to pick up King Kamehameha's rock the other day. And you know how big that thing is. It doesn't look that big until you really get around it. And then it's like, and you see how big he is. He's got like 20-inch arms. There wasn't even a budge on it. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you lift a lot Uh, of things. Yeah, because I think that's quite mental. And that's kind of like, I think my strongest point is is my... uh, mentality mm-hmm. and approach towards sport mm-hmm. and anything in life really but lifting requires a lot of uh, you know a mental proposition really now do you go to the gym every day i used to yeah yeah i used to go to maybe twice even three times a day right so i've been known to train up to seven hours a day uh-huh. um you know broken up into lifting cardio and and stretching and most of the guys that are on your boats are training every day yes but some of them don't really like to go to the gym or train and some of them are quite naturally big uh-huh. so there's a difference between someone who mentally wants to take it on and better themselves to someone who's just born into it right now you um, guys like on the boat that you're on right now um it's like i was saying it's four hours on four hours off yes 
um, you guys are at full max speed for yeah. four hours. Yeah. Going into turns, full speed, cranking. Yeah. Um, you guys, your job is a grinder. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a grinder, which means basically the engine of the boat right. powering and the winches. Just cranking it like that, yeah. right? Yeah. And, but you're also the team captain. Yeah, I like to I like to lead teams. Um, I think that's just an experience thing mm-hmm. because I am the oldest on board of any yacht they walk on now. <laughs> right, the oldest and the most experienced. Yeah, and the most well-rounded, respected guy in the water. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Just because um, you know my background and being a Kiwi or a New Zealander, we get respect anyway from the water, mm-hmm. and just and just what I've achieved, perhaps, and then. And being along, I really like nurturing the younger sailors along. And, he, you know, I really like that. I really enjoy seeing, mm-hmm. you know, new faces come into the sport and, and and try and help them as much as I can. And that's kind of the stage that I'm in at the moment. Right. People people pretty much look at you and they're afraid. They They know that you're coming. They know your history in sailing. And uh, they're kind of afraid of you. Yeah, I think um, if you, yeah. I don't know. It comes from the gym, really. Right. <laughs> you know, like if you see guys stacking plates on a bar, that, that scares you a little bit if you're mm-hmm. not into that, or, or, or me smashing a punching bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I look like a gentle giant. I'm a very relaxed, but if I snap, and people know this, that there's not much left around right. to pick up. Well, I know. I had to put you in a chokehold the other day. You were, like, out of control. I was like, whoa, bro, calm down, calm yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't take, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take much. But I'd be running if you snap, bro. But it's a quiet confidence in your ability, you know. Like, there's, there's a time when you've, you, you put so much training and effort into something, you, you back yourself a little bit in any situation. Um, but you never, you never want to have to use, use that forces actually but 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 people can pick up on that you know that if you want to get a job done or you want to do something you can do it no problem did you you know growing up in new zealand did people ever want to just scrap with you because you're so big everywhere i go it's an arm wrestle yeah um which is good fun um or just yeah people just want to compete against you and try themselves out particularly the grinding you know like we have rugby players and rowers olympic rowers and all sorts of other athletes think well i can grind you know, they measure us these days in terms mm-hmm. of kilowatts, like a cyclist, how much output your arms can put out versus a cyclist's legs. Mm-hmm. So, so at my peak, a, a, a Tour de France cyclist can pump out around about 2,000 kilowatts going up the, the, um, the hills there in France, the Pyrenees. Right. So my arms are only around about 250 kilowatts off a cyclist's legs, a pro cyclist's legs, wow. power or well, output. Your arms look like the size of yeah. my legs. Yeah. Yeah. So if, I'm, if I can put out like 15, 1,600 kilowatts through my arms and then we pull someone just off the street that's around about the same size, they'll be doing around about 250 kilowatts to 300. So, so I'm around four to five times more powerful right. than the average human off the street. Wow. That, but that's a knowledge that I have, but that's built up over 30 years of technique, training, mm-hmm. and just self-belief. Whether you can keep doing that, I don't know, you know, at, at my age or, yeah. and I don't think I'm old, but um, I still feel great when I'm out on the boat and there's a sure. connection when you go on the water anyway. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, let's talk about some of your accomplishments. You know, you're a, uh, like we just said, you just finished winning the World Cup. Um, now you've won that 
over. <laughs> it's crazy because you've won it a dozen plus times. Yeah. And uh, different variations of the World Cup. Yeah. Um, you've you're an Olympic medalist. Um, you're a two-time America's Cup winner. And that's a prestigious race. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, you've got over 25 national titles. You know, kind of break some of these down and tell us about yeah, these. When you, you know, what's, what's, what's so important about these races? Yeah, I think, I think they're, they're very, very hard to do. And you, you take the America's Cup, for instance. It takes probably a nation 10 years to win that. You know, it's not like a, a, an event or a game of football. You go out and prepare the week before. Mm-hmm. The preparation that goes into a America's Cup is a minimum of four years. Right. So if you've and done, how often do they have an America's Cup? Every four years. Every it's four very years. much like the Olympics. Okay. But I've actually participated in six of them. So there's 24 years of my life there. Wow. And then I've done two Olympic Games, which are four years. So there's another eight. So all of a sudden, there's there's my 32 years of where I've got to today, yeah. invested into those, what do we got, eight events. Who's and, normally the dominating team in that sport? Uh, well, well, right now, the America, America are in the, the America's Cup. They've won it. Um, Larry Allison's team, Team Oracle, won it um, in 2010 uh-huh. off the Swiss. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they've, they've had it for six years now. So the next one's in 2018. The next one's next year, next year in oh, Bermuda. Next year? Okay. And, you know, that event's changed quite considerably from when I first started, um, mainly the speed and technology of the yachts themselves. And when I started, there were 25-ton monohulls with 16 crew. We wore T-shirt and shorts um, and a cap and a pair of sun- sunnies, and we were good for the day. Right. Now, it's, uh, these boats are capable of 50 knots. They're really, really dangerous. How many miles are you guys going? Uh, yeah, well, that's around about 45 miles an hour. Uh-huh. No, I mean, how, oh. how far is oh. the race? Yeah, yeah, the race, it can only last for less than an hour because physically you cannot drive the boats any faster than that. Right. Well, more than an hour. It's like a Formula One. I'm not sure how long a Formula One race yeah, I'm not sure either. is long, but the concentration and the, the physicality of the boats means you cannot go for more than an hour right. on board. You, wow. you just lose focus. Because it's just... So much adrenaline, yeah, just rah. yeah, yeah. And one mistake is it's people, as someone's life. That that's the where it's got to, right? And that's I and don't know. Have if you that been on across. boats where you've lost lives? Yes, yes, I have. I and have. I was on the tragic Artemis accident uh-huh. back what three years there? ago. Well, it was a structural failure. We're pushing the boat. It's on its 43rd day uh-huh. in San Francisco Harbor. Very windy, challenging. Is that the hydrofoil boat? Yeah, we were hydro. We're about Larry to hydrofoil. Ellison owned it uh yeah the one i was on was is, is artemis which is a swedish okay boat and um we're doing our last turn of the day as you always you know going in and the boat just um gave way structurally the the front beam just snapped and wow we had 11 crew on board and uh you know we, we went through about four g's so you think you can hang on but you just can't and everything happens so quickly right um and so bodies just get catapulted through the air Holy and because Lord. no one had crashed. Is that that one these. that I seen that video? Yes. And that one guy was hanging, hanging. on for hours? Yeah. And yeah. you can't let go. No. No, there's so many dangerous parts, and there, there's a lot of hydraulic rams and uh, sharp objects on these boats. Uh-huh. And um, we weren't prepared for an accident, or no teams were back then. Now they are. And mm-hmm. when I say prepared, it's really having the safety people out on the water with you. Right. Um, and wearing the right safety equipment, and plus being trained. 
Right. So if I go out on one of those boats now, I've got two oxygen tanks, mm-hmm. three knives, bulletproof vest, helmet. Really? GPS unit, strobe light. The whole shebang. Yeah. Aluminous boots, aluminous gloves, carbon plated gloves. So I can punch my way out of any position. Plus, I've got a Navy SEAL looking after me if we do crash. Wow. That I have my life. Now, trusted. how did the guy lose his life during that? Really, it was it was a head injury. Um, yeah, it would have been instant. It was just, it was just we didn't know how close we all were to tragedy, really. Um, and he was, you know, just catapulted into the into the um, into the rig, really, and it just folded on top, and you have no chance at that point. And what it was right on a turn, right? Right on a what we call it, yeah, a barrel way. So it was right at the power zone of the turn, and the boat. I still got the noise in my head today, and it did, it did change my outlook on what I was doing personally. Right. Um, because I got reasonably injured myself mm-hmm. and had a bit of recovery to do. Yeah. And, and it really hits home when, you know, I've got two children. Yeah. And, um, you know, the sport's not meant to be about, am I going to survive today or, or get to live another day? And fortunately, they've brought in a lot of safety standards to make it a lot better today. Because of that accident, right. things have changed a lot. Right. Yeah, I remember an instance where I was on a sailboat once, and it was a Hobie Cat. And, you know, it was a pretty decent size. And I was right out on the swing, you know, working the jig. And it, you know, it was right in the middle of a turn. And the yep. same thing, and yep. it just flipped. And I had no place to go. And I went straight at the mast. And luckily, I turned my head to the yeah. right, and it just smashed me right in the ear my ear just swelled up it was about knocked me out yeah it was pretty it's pretty nuts. scary it was really scary because you're on the water and as well so much pain the element of having the water around you yeah and being trapped yeah yeah i think i'd be a, a lot more comfortable on land with that sort of an accident like mm-hmm. a car crash i'd be more comforted comfortable <laughs> yeah but you throw water in the mix yeah <sighs> yeah because at that point you get knocked out you can't you're underwater yeah yeah, consider yourself mocky right there yeah, at that point. Yeah, but a lot of people and a lot of sailors aren't that comfortable under the water. Uh-huh. And one of the training, you know, the, the training regime now to get on board one of these boats is is almost bigger than the, the race itself. Mm. So you've got to be comfortable with oxygen tanks, survival modes. Um, you just got to be one brave, tough person, you know. Right. Are you Not only a talented athlete, but you've got to be super brave. Now, are you going to be in this next America's Cup? No, I'm not. You're not? I'm not. This is the first one that you're going to miss? First one I've missed since 1992. That's crazy. Pretty are bizarre. You, are you bumming? Are you... Um, a little bit. I w- I'm going to go and watch and... and uh, Give some support yeah, to some of the Yeah, yeah. Like, I know, uh, you know. It's great to see the new new regime come through. It's almost a changeover of the flag. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of younger sailors involved now. Um, there's really no place for, for someone like me, mm-hmm. apart from a leadership role. Right. Um, but especially on board the boats, there's probably, you know, they be, they become a, a really tough boat to sail. Have you ever thought about uh, switching roles and moving over to like a helmsman or something? Yeah, people often wonder why I came from Olympics as a helmsman and then became a grinder. Uh-huh. Um, the reality of that was I was just helping my friend out at the time and I never... I showed too much, uh, you know, never do a bad job well, right? I showed too much talent at that role and turned grinding into an actual profession, right. which was a mistake. 
<laughs> but now everyone wants to be the grinder. Yeah, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because usually it's the helmsman. He gets all the, you know, yeah, he hey, does. I'm yeah, the man, he does. you know. He does. He's the man. And But it's changing. Yeah, like on the boats now, out of the eight crew, six of them are grinders. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the real physicality of, of the sport. And, uh, you know, I enjoy it. And everyone that does it enjoys it because it pushes you to your limits, mm-hmm. to places that you didn't think you could get to. And, and the training's so hard. Yeah, I bet. You, know, you couldn't even have one one beer, you know, or you've got to be in bed by. I know I have to get nine hours sleep, and I know I have to eat eat this much seven eight thousand calories a day. I know so I you're to, just pounding carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you can't get through the day. Yeah. Um, it's and those are the challenges I like as a person, and it's actually harder for me to to live a normal life than it is mm-hmm. than it is to train for these events. Now. Um, when you're racing for these events, you've been all over the world. What are some of the venues that you've oh, been to? Yeah, the, I mean, fortunately, the sailors and sailing in general go to the best venues in the world. Sure. Um, and Hawaii being one of them. Um, but, I, but in Europe, there's some pretty special places. Mm-hmm. But now my favorites are starting to be the Caribbean. Okay. And I would have to say St. Bart's mm-hmm. in the Caribbean is my favorite place to sail. What's your ideal wind for sailing? I like more wind than less. Uh-huh. Um, around, you know, in the sweet spots, kind of 20 knots. Right. Like the trades we get here, or you get here in Hawaii. Oh, well, these trades get popping yeah. some of the time. Yeah. 20, 25, once you start getting over 25, things get a little bit dangerous right. on board. And I click into more of a safety mode, only, only because I've seen when it goes bad and seeing limbs go flying and fingers get chopped off. At, at that point, what do you do? Just drop the sails and say, hey, we're just going to try and motor through these? Uh, yeah, well, we push the say boat. Say it gets like 35? Well, no, we can, we can depower the boat, like reef the sails and make them smaller. Uh-huh. To get, if, if it's an overnight race, some of the races I do are sort of two or three nights mm-hmm. or days. So you can't just, you're out offshore, so you can't just withdraw from the race. Mm-hmm. So you, you're committed to finish that race, whether it's sure. a storm or what. So you've got to get through. Have you been through some gnarly storms? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't tell anyone about them. Uh-huh. Uh, once you set foot on the shore, nothing happened. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you see some stuff go on board the boats and some of the guys not lose it, but the scaredness or, sure. or hallucination. You see big black clouds yep. coming in and you're like, oh, shit, yep. hell's about to rain down yep. on us. yeah. And those yep. seas start picking seas. up. What's the biggest seas you've I've ever been? I've seen forty foot swells. Wow! Or the boat almost disappear. Yeah. The boat in front of you, where you don't see, you go, oh, it looks pretty dangerous. Oh shit! Have you had them just breaking over the bow and yeah. just hitting Covering the sail? The whole boat. Yeah. You, know, you get washed off if you're not clipped on. Uh-huh. Um, you'll get washed out the back pretty quickly. So being clipped on is your biggest safety. Yeah. Deal yeah, there. we go through the safety drills quite seriously, particularly when we go offshore. Mm-hmm. You know, we have man overboard drills, and, and that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't get a lot of media attention, but because because of the seriousness of it. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah any time of day or every night, race, somebody's going to lose somebody. Someone's going to fall off the boat right. overboard. Yeah. Yeah. Whether the, whether we lose them is a is a yeah, it's a possibility. Right. At night, it's very tough. If you fall off during the night, um, yeah, you got three to four minutes probably. And then you have to personally turn that boat around, yes. drop your sails, do whatever yep. it is, turn that boat around, find them. Yep. It's not like you have uh, boats that no. cruise alongside you. No, no. You put a, a call out, emergency call. It could be hours before a chopper got there, or 
if we're 300 miles from shore, oh. um, there's no one out there. It's just yeah. you. Um, there might be another yacht in the vicinity, but still it's going to take them 20, 30 minutes. So mm. for us to drop our sails and turn around, we could probably do it in under four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. But then we've got to hit that and circle around and find that person straight away, first time. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's uh, it's game over. Yeah, I had uh, you know a boat here in Kona, and I got rid of it a few years back. But um, we were out during a fishing tournament, and yeah. one of our buddies was just you know taking a piss right off the back of the boat. <laughs> we're all focused going forward because yep. the wind had picked up that day. Yeah. And I just happened to turn back to look at the lures. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I see my friend, and he's about 75 yards out. And I, all I see is this sheer look of fear on his face and an arm just go like that. I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, Chappie fell off the freaking no boat. Way. And uh, it just everything. We were just like, shit, yeah. cranking the boat around, you know. Yeah. Um, if it was me personally, I would have freaking grabbed one of the lures, you know, hook yeah. in the hand or whatever, yeah. and, you know. But. It would have made the line go off. If I hadn't have turned around to look at, just to look at the pattern of the lures, I would have had no idea. He he would have been gone. We were a thousand fathoms out, a couple of miles out. Yeah. And and there were no other boats around. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. He was, I think it scared the shit out of all of us. Yeah, it does. It does. But we all still go back and enjoy it. That's, you know, that's the, the beauty of the sport, you know, and. I don't think I'll ever stop sailing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I sail with people in their mid-70s that still enjoy it, and I can see myself being the same. Now, you've got this beautiful little Hawaiian sailing uh, outrigger canoe right here. Is, is that something that you could just jump right on and yeah. just go, oh, no worries, man. I got you, this. Yeah, I think so, but I'm, I'm sure there's, to every boat, there's a little technique. Uh-huh. You know, I'd be keen to go for a sail on that. But, um, yeah, I, I think so. I think any boat you, you, you could sail. Well, I could sail, um, but um, I want to win and race. So. Right. <laughs> I, w- I don't enjoy just going out for a sail. <laughs> I want to set up a race. Let's get two right, of them. Right, <laughs> let's get two of them. Let's go, man. Now, have you ever um, done any super long distance races? No, I've looked at the round the world race a few times, and I had an opportunity after the 92 Olympics to do that. Uh-huh. Um, I you got to know your strengths and weaknesses, but... More than a week at sea for me, I'm starting to crave, well, not crave, but go downhill, yeah. you know, like moody maybe. I could just, just not good to be around. And those races, you've got to be, you're at sea for, back then was, you know, eight weeks at a time. Sure. And um, I don't speak to many of the sailors that actually enjoy that race. Yeah. Um, of what they go through. Um, so have you ever been on just some long sailing expeditions no, you know from like different continents i keep getting asked to go on and i don't know whether hey, I, let's go cruise the yeah, south pacific you're like nah. it doesn't excite so. me at all to go uh to go offshore just for fun mm-hmm. um and that's just my competitive nature absolutely because i want to race and um and, and pull a team through uh-huh. that that's my enjoyment really and perhaps it could have been anything other than sailing. sailing. So what, what do you enjoy when you're not sailing? What um, are some of the things that you the like to do? Laying on the couch, I have. Yeah, you're yeah, just like a, couple a little... Of beers and 
<laughs> Give me the yeah, remote. The hammock, I enjoy that. Yeah, you've kind of taken over my favorite yeah, spot have. on the couch. Thank I'll God tomorrow's your last day and you're out of here. Exactly. I get my spot back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all smashed down by your weight, damn yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know when there's downtime to really, to really be cruising, you know. Uh-huh. This is perfect. This is perfect for me, and this won't be the last time I come come back. I hope. Um, because now, is this your first time to the Big Island? Yes, it is. What do you think? It is. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I mean, yes. I haven't even been sailing yet or on the water, um, but watching you surf yesterday was a highlight, and just yeah, seeing the whole shredding. culture of the surf. Are you I mean, kidding me? That's something I'd really, really like to do, and I, I don't think I could actually do it because no. I look at it going. From an athlete's point of view, you're going, man, that's there's a lot going on there, you know, mm-hmm. technique-wise, and you know, I've asked you a few questions about it and what's going through your mind and picking waves and and your board even, you know, I'm right. interested in the board shapes and the development of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so from an athlete's point of view, I just write myself off, going, I can't do that. Well, you absolutely <laughs> can. We can get you if you give it a chance. We can get you into some waves, get that pump, that stoke going. Yeah. yeah. And guaranteed that you would be picking it up in I'd, no time I flat. would think that's a life goal to, to, to catch a wave for me on a surfboard. I would mm-hmm. be, I'd, I'd put my hand up to do that. Yeah, um, well, let's do it. I'll set, <laughs> I'll, we'll do it tomorrow morning to catch, <laughs> before you fly <laughs> I out of here. going to that quickly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll go out there for an hour, push you into a couple of waves. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to push you in. You You're going like to have to paddle like on your own. Three times the size of your one. Yep, nice big 11-foot <laughs> board. Oh, oh, yeah. I couldn't believe the size of your board. Yeah, I ride, that was a bit uh, scary. I think the, the one I was riding yesterday was a 5.8. Yeah. Little tiny yeah. potato chip there. Yeah, Especially tiny, for a right? fat ass like myself. No, yeah, I'm not I, fat. I'm so ripped. I got a six-pack. <laughs> All the yeah. chicks are loving me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that was, you know, that's that's really cool cool to see. I have windsurfed before, uh-huh. um, but you know, those boards are quite large back then. Uh, that was tough. You know, I did it once, and I just happened to be on this lake. I was over in Texas, and I see this wind right after they came out. You know, they were pretty new, and I see this thing just laying on the beach. I was like, huh, I'm gonna give this thing a try. I didn't know whose it was. Yeah, and I got on that thing and. All the way across the lake. I was like, I got this. Uh, then it was time to turn, and I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and so I had to yeah. crash and then reset up and then go all the way back. And when I get back to the beach, this dude that's like your size yeah. comes up to me, and he's like, yeah, so how'd you like it? I was like, oh, it was pretty cool. And he's like, all right, now next time ask. <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so... But, um, you know, i got a couple of questions for you. Um, you know, back to some of the venues that you've sailed in. Yeah. Um, what's some of the, your favorite ones? You said Bermuda is what you're loving right now. Yeah. But what yeah. are some of the most inter- interesting points or ports, should I say? Yeah, I think is you... It, um, is it like the Mediterranean? Yeah, it's how you rate your sailing is, is on the, the winds and the waves and the... You know, I don't like cold venues. Uh-huh. Last year we spent way too much time, sorry, England, in England... Um, and I was, it rains every day and mm-hmm. it's cold, and it, but it is windy, which is good. But that really, 
to me, for the sport, that's tough, you know, because you've got to wear so much gear. Survival gear. Yeah, just yeah. to keep that warmth, and, and that puts another whole spin or element on it. Yeah. So when I think of venues, I think of, you know, somewhere like this, actually, where you can just wear your board shorts and, and uh, when there's plenty of wind. So, so now I'm really liking the, the Caribbean a lot, mm. and, and there's a lot more events around there now from, you know, February through March, April, May. And we're lucky that, that our, our owner likes that venue as well. Mm-hmm. And so the boat starts its season off in the Caribbean, and we do like four events there before going to Europe. Have you done races like at the Azores in Canary Islands and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, like I like any venue that's, that's warm, really. Yeah. Uh, because as a grinder, you, you, you want as, as minimal clothing on as you can, uh-huh. and, and you get warm enough you know, as it is, but um, it's a lot nicer to sail and grind and be athletic on a boat with with a pair of shorts and a t-shirt on than it right, is with because you're getting weather. splashed a lot too, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's heavy, you know, carrying that gear around and, and it's cold and, and y- your body temperature is going through the highs and lows and, uh-huh. and you know, you start. So what are you dressed like in a warm board shorts? Uh, tank top. Yeah, yeah, just just a compression shirt, really, and uh-huh. and, and some pair of pants and some good good shoes mm-hmm. is all you need. And obviously, you know, these days with your sunscreen and your your hat and your shades is really important. Yeah. Where it wasn't, I never thought much about that, but but now I'm, you know, what's going on with the sun and yeah, that becomes a big a, a big reality for me now. Absolutely. Well, you got a brand new Doe's nose hat. Yeah, I know. So I expect to see that in one of these World Cup, yeah. America Cup yeah. races. Yeah. You know, winning wearing the Doe's nose hat. Yeah. It's all because of this hat. <laughs> That's cool. I love that hat. I yeah, that it's hat. pretty sick hat. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, cool, I'm right? super stoked with them. Um, now, what is uh, what is it like, you know, going from being a solo racer you know, winning the Olympics, stuff like that. It's all of a sudden being, working with a team, a whole crew, you know, 20 guys. Yeah. Everybody's got humongous egos. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you've got have. a big ego. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you got 19 other guys that are yeah. just like you, fighting for that same thing, wanting yes. to be the best guy out there. Yeah. Um, it's got to be pretty tough. It huh? is tough. It is tough. You've got to walk away from everything you've done in the past and, and to walk away from Olympic medals and world championships and being this and that onto a team and being a very small part of that team mm-hmm. is, is a different feeling. Um, but it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And, and you have to... I've worked really hard over the last 20 years to be a team player um, and being considerate and looking out for others, particularly on board the boat. Um, when you see people's heads drop or, uh, you know, they start talking down about other people that's the worst thing yeah. i really hate that you guys Especially, talk shit to each other yeah, on the boat well we do long. yeah so you got to change the tempo on that boat right and uh you know we talk basically about uh chicks right <laughs> <laughs> oh mate you see yeah. that chick yeah yeah <laughs> you know like and cars right you know what what blokes talk about that's what we talk about on board sure. the boat and that keeps things level have you guys ever had any scraps on the boat? Oh, I've been on board boats where there's been out, outbreaks of punches and fights. Yeah, just right sure. in the middle of a race yep. and just crack. Yep, for sure. That's heavy. For sure. And yep. you being the the crew you, chief, you've got to break that up. Reprimand. Yeah, you've got to uh, you know you've got to show leadership. Go in there and and yeah, there's got to be consequences to that sort of behaviour. You can't condone that. But I've seen a guy, 
leave his spot on board, run up 20 feet, knock the guy out and go back to his spot and the guy's left. This is on the same boat. During knocked the out. race. Knocked, knocked out. Knocked out. Yep. Can't finish it. Yep. He's lying on the deck like a stunned mullet. Wow. Right in front of 18 other guys. What do you find him? You suspend him? Well, you got to keep racing because you're trying to win the race and then sure. you deal with it after. So they both go off the boat and then, and then you work through the, the issue and someone faces a consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes away pretty quickly mm-hmm. at that point. But that same guy's not going to be on your boat the next time? No. Yeah. No. We're, we're all under very firm contracts. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, like, like any professional thing, it's, you know, there's always strict laws and... Now, there's a lot of things that you cannot do yeah. because of the contracts exactly. that you're under. Exactly. And they, yeah. And which you usually all the fun clo- things. All the fun things. <laughs> that include surfing yeah. and stand-up paddleboarding, yeah. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. Even lying on that hammock. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like well, anything, anything that risks you, that could risk me from being, you know, a solid team member. Uh-huh. Um, and I've missed, you miss out on a lot. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Even the Olympics is, is like that too. But you, the Olympics itself, you put that on yourself because you want to be an Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. But when you join a professional team, that's the team telling you sign here. But you read all the fine print or go through with your lawyer exactly what you're signing. Or you're signing away seven days a week for four years. And all you can do is go to the gym, train, eat, sleep, the sport, mm-hmm. and win. Right. That's it. Anything outside that that enhances it? Some of the things you can't, you know, if you do get ill, then you can't help that. But if you go out and, say, go mountain biking um, and have an accident. You're done. You're done. Yeah. And Lose your contract. Yeah. 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 Are you guys um, like a yearly salary contract or how does that Yeah, Yeah, work? they are. Well, the America's Cups, uh, yeah, they're monthlies, but, but they're like a three-year period. They're long-term. In uh-huh. sport, they're quite long-term for sailors, right. which is great. That it, is good. Yeah, it is good. Enables enables you to go buy a house. You know, yeah. Keep that thing going. Yeah. If you have a family, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but it's only the America's Cup that does that. Okay. What I'm doing now is a daily rate, and uh, you know I'm only sailing maybe 100, 120 days a year at the moment. Uh huh. <laughs> Which means I've got 200 days off a year. It's quite nice. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But you fly a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do, and it's quite scary how much I added it up last year. And uh, I've been clocking around about 40 to 45 days, full days, 24-hour days, a year Holy. in an airplane. Holy shit, that's a lot of airtime. Yeah. How's your mileage look? Yeah, it's high. But it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't excite me, the travel. People get excited about getting on airplanes, you know. Right. For me, it's like taxi. At least you get to upgrade to first class. Yeah, yeah, you get to fly a lot. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, are you, yeah, it's are like you ever anything, flying on private jets and stuff like I've that? I've been on private jets, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's a nice way to go. And I can understand why those guys have private jets uh-huh. when you stand in the amount of queues that I've stood in and sure. <laughs> customs and yeah. check-in lines and, yeah, <laughs> and sit in some bad seating arrangements, you know. Yeah, um, especially as big as you are. Yeah, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. And if I'm, some of my flights is up to 40 hours. Uh-huh. So if I'm coming from Auckland, from New Zealand, and going into somewhere... You know, like South Africa. Yeah. You know, and you have to come trip. around through the U.S. Yep. It's a Whoa. long trip. Yeah, I know it's it's long just from Hawaii. Yeah. To South Africa or Europe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And normally the next day I'm on board the boat, racing or sailing or practicing, oh, um, with, with the jet lag, and 
I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining. I, I do have methods to get around that, but it is a lot of travel, and yeah, there's there's ups and downsides of it. But airplane travel, I've always had a lot of downtime on a plane, mm-hmm. thinking about how you can make this better. Now, is <laughs> for it, an athlete, is is it better to have a super long flight or have a few that breaks it up and you have some layer layovers where you can jump off, move yeah, around. Yeah, I think do it all on one. Yeah. Super long. So um, you can fly Auckland to Dubai in 16 hours uh. and then Dubai straight into Europe, anywhere in Europe. And that's that's the best I've done. Yeah. You know, if you only get two hours in between. Yeah, Shane that you just met last night, the pro server. Yeah. He uh, just did a contest in the Maldives. Whoa. And so he flew from uh, from Hawaii to, I think it was Oahu to New York, New York <laughs> to Dubai, Dubai to the Maldives. Then from the Maldives back to Dubai, he had a direct <laughs> flight from Dubai to Seattle. Yeah, that's... Which was apparently a good one. Yeah. Same thing, 14, 16-hour yeah. flight. Yeah. And then direct to Kona. So, yeah, I think the, the furthest you can go on an airplane, 16 hours, I think that's great. Yeah. Because, again, when I started out this whole adventure, Auckland to Hawaii, you know, eight hours, you, you're jumping around, and it's taking forever to get to Europe. Right. Too many, too many stops, too many changes, um, and that takes you weeks to recover. Weeks. I find myself always having to stop at every single city I fly over. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, the next city from Hawaii is L.A., so I'm going to go there. And then it's Phoenix, so I'm going to go there. And then it's Dallas, and then I'm going to go there. And then it's <laughs> Atlanta. And then finally I make it to Florida. It's like, holy no, shit. It's like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a killer. I think if you can make the long runs, do them. Yeah. Do them. It's way better. How much longer do you think you're going to be doing this for, dude? You're I, 49 years old. Yeah, I know. I've been trying to get out of it for 30 years, but um, it's, yeah, I, I do love it. You know, it is, it's in my veins. The salt water's in my veins, and I do love it. And as long as I can get out of bed in the morning and still, still enjoy it, because uh-huh. to me it's the enjoyment side and the competitive side, when I've lost that, that's when I'll stop. Um, and I can't see that happening in the next three to five years. Yeah, what's, what's your future looking like right now? Yeah, it's you know, it's, as it's, far as changing, you know, because you're going through a, tra- uh, a change, a transfer change in your in your life. Yeah, um, you yeah, you still may be huge and strong and powerful, um, still feel like you're 25 yeah. years old. Yeah, but reality is is starting to set in. Yeah, and you're gonna have to just reinvent yourself. Yeah, what is your next? What does your future look like? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm really excited about the possibility, and I've started. This already um, is having my own team from uh-huh. from the ground up, brand new, uh-huh. and and uh, you know that's all the knowledge and everything I've learned the past thirty years and working for other people um, to put together your own team for me would complete complete what I've done in a career, and uh, it's not easy to do for sure, but I think that's my next step mm-hmm. as as a professional sports person or professional sailor right and it's, it's not an avenue that everyone could do it's, it's only for someone who's really wants to work hard at it and and understands the, all the facets of putting a team together um 
because it's just not about launching a boat or, or getting some of your best friends on board the team, mm-hmm. um, which, which is the, the easy parts, really. Uh, it's putting together, you know, the plan and having longevity and having a final destination with that plan and then finding people with the same, um, the, you know, the same hunger for it as you have, mm-hmm. you know, because I always surround myself with similar type people. And I can't stand people that aren't as driven as me. Mm-hmm. And that really, you know, if you've known me for a few days now, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just shy off from those sorts of people. Right. Um, Do you see yourself eventually owning a boat? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Owning a boat. Is that your goal? Team. Yeah. 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 I think yachting's a long way or professional sailing behind other professional sports. Mm-hmm. And it's really only been professionals for probably 20 years, which is relatively young. And I think it's got a long, long way to go. And it's just starting now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, someone like me, who's probably the first old young guy wanting to do this mm-hmm. um, and not just gracefully retire off into mm-hmm. oblivion right. and just hang out on the beach the rest of my life, um, which is an option, but it's, it's not an option for me. So I think the natural progression is to have my own team and because I like to give back to the sport and create other opportunities for, for, for young people. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, is that what you're doing right now? Are you doing any kind of like youth camps or teaching kids how to uh, sail? And, or is that something in the future that you plan on yeah, trying I to do? Yeah, like, I love coaching. And um, you know, I'd love to be an Olympic coach as well. But th- you've got to choose... Yeah, I know how long it takes to do things. Mm-hmm. And, um, do you have the patience for that? <laughs> I used to. <laughs> as you get older, you have less, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've got two of my own children as well. <laughs> right. Um, are they sailors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Are. they love it. They love it. It's in their, in their blood, right? Uh, but I'm not that pushy dad or pushy parent. Uh-huh. I'm the most stand back with my own children. I'm the same way. Yeah, and yeah. I love that. And I see those parents and I feel so... Yeah, so my, my son Jake, he doesn't even surf. As much yeah. as I love to surf, I love to hunt. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've said, hey, look, here it is. Let's give it a try. If you don't like it, I'm not going to push you. You know, I, I want you to do something that you love, that you like. Yeah. Uh, but I want you to try everything. Yeah. So at least give it a try yeah. once or twice. And, uh, and if you like it, cool, awesome. I'm going to help you. Yeah. We're going to progress with this. And, and, you know, Jake, he doesn't like to surf. A, yeah. we live in kind of the gnarliest spot, you know, by, yeah. by your foot. <laughs> you know, you went out into the water and just sliced your foot right up <laughs> yesterday. And, um, well, Jake did the same thing. And yeah. he went surfing out here. And, and we don't have that many sandy beaches. It's all uh, lava rock. Right, yeah. And so we have a lot of stuff that we call Vana here, which is sea urchins. And, of course, he ate shit and got a nice big sea urchin in his foot and kind of ruined him Ooh. for two yep. weeks. And yep. uh, he was like, fuck this. I don't yep. want to surf. Yep. You know? Uh, but I've taken him to places like in Kauai at Pine Trees and, uh, and in California where it's all nice and sandy. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I love this. Yeah. But, yeah, Kona, Kona's a tough place yeah, to surf. Is. So Yeah. And but we're hence getting, why you get great surfers out of here because the they come out right. to do well here. You got to be exactly. They say if good. you can surf the Big Island, you can surf anywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. So we got some pretty yeah. gnarly reefs. And then you look at Shane Dorian, 
And, right. You know, the, that guy's one of the most amazing, yeah. talented guys yeah. on the planet. And yeah. he just got back from Utah yesterday. That's right. And uh, came straight from the airport right to our house <laughs> and showed us that massive freaking elky shot. And you know, it's good to see that. Yeah. A, a surf, a pro surfer, you know, I'm thinking, I can't, what have I got to show? I don't do anything else other than sail. Yeah, you've got to. your couch. Got to be diversified, I'm bro. I'm going to have to get a bow, a bow and arrow or something going on. Yes, you do. Get involved. It's in so it. much fun, especially because you're from New Zealand. Yeah. Dude, we can, with your reputation over there being this big Olympic New Zealand, <laughs> you know, uh, the man in New Zealand. Yeah, you can get all the sickest like, access to some of these ranches over there, yeah, totally. and you'd be like, "Does you and Shane come over here?" Yeah, I've got the sickest place, monster. Yeah, yeah. I'm look into that. Red stags. Let's go hunt. Yeah, you know, or big fallow deer, and oh yeah. Yeah, I think if I, if I became an all black, that's I would have gone down that route. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the all blacks like to hunt, and they yeah. do. And they, they're but, usually pig hunters. Yeah, they, they just are. get out there. Yeah, yeah. I've heard all the stories about them pig hunting and tough guys, you know, and yeah. they probably wrestle them. Yeah, that's what I would think that they would them, do. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. A couple of dogs <laughs> and a knife. <laughs> but, yeah, sailors, teeth, they, they the look The Maori us, guys. Yeah, they're, they're tough. They do the haka before they kill the pig. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no padding and then just knife. Right. But, but sailing, you know, it doesn't. It takes up so much time, though. That's what I find. I'm yeah. finding. Yeah. Yeah. So is this like the longest vacation you've had in yes, a long it is. time? Really? It is. And it's only like a five day. It's weird jumping off a plane and not having to go sailing or the next day. It's right. the first time for years. Yeah. You know, it's always something. I'm always going somewhere to do something. Yeah. Well, we're in a beautiful, like I said, we're in the most beautiful place there is in Kona right oh, now, yeah. Kona Iki Resort. And and it's blazing. The sun is blazing. It's humid out here. Thank God for Bronson. He's he's keeps feeding us these beers. And uh, you want another Corona? <laughs> hey, yeah, I love the Corona. <laughs> Bronson, can we hook him up with another Corona? And um, yeah, okay, I'll take one too. Twist my arm. But uh, you know, there's uh, so much to this racing. Um, I think I have one more question for you. What's it? What's the future of racing look like? Um, to you and where, where do you think it's going from now because you know you were showing me some videos of when you were on Larry Ellison's boat in San Francisco and this thing's a humongous catamaran um, I'm not even sure quite how big it is but it's so freaking big the mass is like 150 yeah, feet tall meters, that's right. um, they, it, it, it's completely different from any boats that you've ever seen before we're now these things are coming up seven ton boats being lifted i don't know 10 feet out of the water yep, yep, or more yeah 10 feet yeah. And, and they're hydrofoiling out of the water yeah and and these things aren't even touching the water no, anymore so no. you know that's so futuristic yeah, it is. right it is. there it is even if you had told me that we would be doing that five years ago i would have just said there's no way yeah so five years from now maybe uh, we used to joke around saying we asked the same question, say, 20 Thanks, years ago, sir. what would we, the America's Cup look like, you know? And we used to joke, say, oh, we'll be doing 50 knots as a joke. But they actually are. They do 50 knots now. And that's, that, that is, when you think about that, a sailboat that can do four times a wind speed. Cheers to you, really. Yeah, cheers. So it's the technology, like in anything in the world right now. It's impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Where do it's you see impressive. it going now? I, What's next? These boats, 
Yeah, it's incredible. I, I just think uh, they're going to be more accessible and there's going to be a trickle down mm-hmm. of these boats. So these kids, your son is going to have the chance to go hydrofoiling uh-huh. at 15 years old. Wow. Um, and I think that's where it's going to go. I've got friends that are doing it right now on surfboards. Oh, right. Why This guy did a podcast with Kai Lenny and another one, Dave Kalama. Yeah. These guys, Dave Kalama was one of the ones that uh, kind of was an innovator in the sport. Him and Laird Hamilton and, and brought it to surfing. Kai Lenny now is just mastering it out wow. there, and he's yeah, he's actually shrunk the boards, and he's in the middle of the o- ocean, and open ocean swells, <laughs> and he just does a quick couple little paddles, and then just Straight starts up. pumping this board, and he's just racing through the ocean. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I'm gonna yeah. have to show you that. Yeah, once you break free the friction, as uh-huh. you know, and up onto some foils. Now, how do you keep that boat that's, pumping? Exactly. That's, that's, there's still a lot to learn, and the America's Cup next year will see that for real, and mm-hmm. these guys are good at it. Mm-hmm. So they can maneuver now and keep it on the foils, whereas when we first started it or pioneered it three years ago, we could only do straight lines. Gotcha. And as soon as we did a maneuver, we'd drop off the foil, you know, plant back down on the water, 30 seconds would go by and build up a bit of power, and up she'd come again. They don't do that anymore. Huh. They just straight through the maneuver. How how tall are these foils? Um, they're only about uh, ten feet. feet. Yeah, eight ten feet. Yeah. Full carbon. So the development on those foils uh, are huge. On a boat that big, weighing how how long are those boats? Ah, uh, the boats the boats now are 50, feet. are fifty feet for the next cup. They were seventy two when I raced them uh-huh. three years ago. So they they've dropped the size because of the safety factor. Right. Um, so 50-foot boat with a... 50-foot boat only with an 8 to 10-foot foil, yeah, foil that's carbon fiber. Yeah. I know carbon fiber is strong, but you guys are going 48 miles an hour, yeah. 50 miles an hour. And we're on that with just that, that foil. size with that foil. Have you had them snap? Yeah, they do snap. It's, it's, not, it's not a good look when they snap. It's pretty scary when the boat drops off that foil and you don't know what's snapped, you know? Right. The noise of breaking carbon is... As you know, it's it's a terrible noise uh-huh. um, because it generally means something catastrophic. Right now, why would you not um, use like a, a aluminum or steel? Weight. Weight wise. Weight and and the carbon is strong. It's strong enough. It's got to be designed right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that becomes down to the engineers and the lamination schedules and it's just the technology that goes into these boats now is, is really really impressive and it's NASA level. Uh, the America's Cup is... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, and it's, they're pushing every boundary in every direction. Uh-huh. And so when I watch those boats and see how far they've come in three years, I don't know where they're going to end up in another three years. Yeah. You know, they could be doing 60 knots. It's all about speed now. Right. And television and excitement. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I did it, it was the races were three hours long and they're way offshore and no one really watched them. and just kind of read about it in the newspaper, you know? Yeah, you guys got big sponsors out yeah. there like Red Bull. You raced yeah. for the Red Bull team Red, for a yeah. long time. And, yeah, um, so now we're attracting, the sport's attracting mainstream commercial sponsors. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a saleable sport. You have something to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really technology and speed and, and design and, and there's excitement. There's a lot of excitement. And a lot of excitement. When you yeah. see these boats for real with your own eyes, a television doesn't do a whole lot for it, but... In reality, when you're watching them, it is impressive to see. Well, we're going to link, um, like, that big foil 
the Larry Ellison's one, the yeah. Oracle one, yeah. um, to the website nice. so that everybody can, can see. see and, what we're talking and, about. Yeah. Uh, they're just going to be kind of blown away. Maybe we'll even do like a little social media clip of it, you know, promoting your podcast. Yeah. Uh, with with that because yeah, be those things that'd are just great. crazy. I was yeah, just blown are. away to see a boat that yeah. big coming out of the water doing that and going that fast. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think I told you at the time like speed boats don't even go that fast. Yeah, we, we have chase boats which we call them of twelve hundred horsepower, four engines strapped on the back. Uh huh. Can't keep up. Like those Miami Vice yeah, yeah, drug yeah. boats. Yeah. Yeah. Doing 60 knots from a standing start. They can't beat a sailboat. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. Well, yeah. you've got a mass that's 150 feet. Yeah. So you got to have, when you take these things apart every single day. Every day they get craned out. you got to crane them out. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So we haven't talked much about the shore crews around these. So there's, if there's... 10 sailing team members, uh-huh. there's 120 shore crew keeping this thing going. Wow. So, so an America's That's Cup a lot team. Of people. Yeah, America's Cup team can be up to 150, 180 people. Wow. For one sailboat with, what? with 10 guys on. And how many days were you doing that? As many as you can because you, know, you can't buy days. You can buy everything else in this world, but you can't buy time. Uh-huh. So you got to keep that boat out in the water every day. Every day? Yeah. And so you got. Um, Average salary is, you know, for a, a daily run of that many people, you're looking uh, at yeah. about a million bucks a day? Yeah, I, I, it'd be close. I, I would say... Um, Seven, $800,000? Yeah. Operation yeah. of that boat yeah. with all the crews, all the, the cranes, the base, freaking the everything. Boats and the fuel. Uh, yeah, it would be up there. It'd be, it'd be a scary number. It's a scary it's number. It's a scary number. And when you break it down per hour of sailing, it's probably even scarier. Yeah. Might be two, three hundred thousand an hour. Holy shit. Maybe, you know, like <laughs> it's Holy um, shit. And then you've got guys like Larry Ellison, obviously Mr. Moneybags, that's just yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, but keep they, it going. Yeah, the teams have budgets and it becomes it comes down to how, how much you want to win. It's unlimited, you know, you want to win something. <laughs> What's the budget? Three hundred and sixty five million dollars a year? Because you're out there three hundred and sixty five days a year. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it could be. They aren't that high, but right. Re, yeah, three hundred million. Speaking, yeah, you ha- <laughs> yeah, you know, you can spend whatever you want. It's unlimited because. But sometimes we know in sport or anything, money doesn't equal speed or, or guarantee winning. So you've still got to check yourself and and check into events and racing and make sure you're on the right track uh-huh. and, and and have the right people. Now, when you're shipping those boats, um, because you're obviously not going to sail them. You, or do you have a crew? No, that no says, way. Hey, no, they get pulled apart. They get pulled apart. Yep. Um, now, you guys don't have to deal with any of that part, right? Uh, we do a little bit, actually. We like to see our you know, machine get stripped down properly and put back together because that's the, that's the craft we spend our time on. And, and uh, if anything goes wrong, we don't want to have to point a finger at sure. too many people. So sure. we're, we're there when it gets pulled apart and, and help out for sure. Um, yeah, it's not that professional yet. Um, mm-hmm. So, so the sailors need to the, you know, lend a hand in every aspect of the of the campaign. In fact, back ten years ago, you'd pick a sailor's ability on fifty percent of their sailing ability and fifty percent on what they can offer on shore, in terms of whether they're a, a carbon laminator or a designer, sailmaker can help out in other areas of the campaign. That used to be quite vital, uh-huh. but today it's getting less and less vital. I think. 
Now, the holes on these boats, are they fiberglass? Are they all carbon fiber. All carbon fiber. Now, yeah. you're going through some pretty dang rough seas. Are they cracking these yeah. holes? Yeah. So every time you got to pull them out of the water, Check you're everything. checking for everything. Yep. Structural, making sure that... Yeah, they uh, go over them with a fine-tooth comb with a... I'm not sure what the, the machinery is called, but they run through the the whole boat with a... To pick up Almost like an x-ray. Delamination, yeah. So yeah. once it's delam, it, you know, it's a possible issue. Uh-huh. So they do that every day. Um, there's so much stress and strain. You know, there's hundreds of tons going through, shock loading going through the hulls. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're taking a pounding out yeah, there. Yeah, they are. You know, I, I know, like, some the fishermen up in Alaska, the way, you know, obviously the seas are, are way bigger. Our boats down here, they're fiberglass. Yep. Um, they're not taking a beating like they would be up there. And up there, they, one of my friends was telling me everything has to be aluminum. Yeah. Just because of the poundings Pounding. that they get out there. Yeah. And a fiberglass boat would just, boom, yep. just get Shatter. destroyed out there. Yeah, it's like glass. So we, we like carbon fiber because it's easy. It's light. To work with. It's light and it's strong, but it is quite high maintenance. And, and even, even the development of carbon fiber itself is changing a lot from mm-hmm. what we used to use. You know, 20 years ago, you mentioned the word carbon fiber and people looked at you pretty strangely, you know? Sure. So I've sailed aluminium boats or aluminum boats mm-hmm. and fiberglass boats and carbon fiber boats. And you wouldn't look back. Yeah. You wouldn't go back to fiberglass or aluminium in a racing yacht. Aluminium? Yeah, that's a good yeah. word. Aluminum, eh? bro. No, it's al- aluminum. aluminium. Aluminium. No, it's aluminum. <laughs> it's not aluminium. <laughs> aluminium. Alum- it's al- what is it's- aluminium? You know, What's it's aluminum. It's <laughs> aluminum, bro. <laughs> Freaking kiwi. <laughs> uh, now, um, you know, we're going to wrap things up here pretty quick. But uh, something that I always ask all my guests, you know, um, I, I love to hear stories about uh, supernatural experiences, um, you know, whether it be ghosts or aliens or just some stuff that people have have had happened to them in their lives and you being out there on the water all the time i know you've actually been in the bermuda triangle yes and that place is notorious for stuff happening there yes boats disappearing airplanes disappearing yeah um just some weird shit have you ever experienced anything weird out there i have and every time i do that race i'm a bit i'm a bit intrepid about what's going to happen uh-huh. Because there's always something that goes on that's a little bit weird. And, um, yeah, we're not going to go missing or anything, I don't think. You hope not. No, I hope not. And but you haven't had anybody have go that missing in mind, yet. That's still in the back of my mind that that can happen. And, sure. And, and the weather through that part of the world or sea is, uh, is always really unpredictable. But this one time, and it wasn't that long ago, we, we were racing through the triangle and, you know, very light winds. Uh-huh. And uh, we were sailing... At, yeah, for, for a good 24-hour period, we, we know exactly where we are, you know, GPS situation and, and, and how fast we're going and how far to the, to the next stop. Well, anyway, in a 24-hour period, we were sailing quite to our best of our potential. Uh-huh. We actually went backwards. And you were in a race? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're like, you, you, we thought we were going really well, and we're going through the water. The boat's sailing through the water. Uh-huh. There's water going beside both sides of the yacht. We're uh-huh. actually moving forward through our minds but but when we check the gps when we get our schedule we'd gone backwards like how far backwards like did 10 you? miles what yeah how is that possible i don't know 
You're going we're in forward. Some current, yeah, we're in you're a, sailing. Yep. The wind is blowing. The wind's blowing. It's light winds. It's, it's but it's, we're still moving. And you're moving. And the speedo's saying six, seven knots, boat speed forward. Okay. So we're going, yeah, we're getting closer to Bermuda. We're yeah. race we're all good. Okay. So over a twenty four hour period. In the middle of the triangle. <laughs> yep. And you look at your GPS and you've gone yeah, backwards ten miles. miles. Yeah. Now, were you the only boat to have this happen to? <laughs> or were there, you know, because it was a race. There yeah, obviously race. had to be a bunch of other boats in yeah, the race. Yeah, there's a lot of other boats, 600 boats. Um, it, every, happens, it happens a lot, and it's, it's current. Everybody went back. Everyone, yeah. Everyone goes, no one goes anywhere for 24 hours. Wow. And it's a... It's a does, it's, does anybody talk about it? Yeah, you don't really. You just don't? Yeah, it's the, it's the triangle. You know, <laughs> if you get away with that, you're lucky, I would think. <laughs> but that's, that's the closest I've been to. I mean, you hallucinate a lot uh-huh. just because at night time you start seeing things and your eye, you start looking at the water enough times, you know, and you start seeing Mermaid. ghost ships and ghost ships, ships really? and stuff. Yeah. Wow. And you don't want to take that much further at that point. You just sort of start shaking your head and cleaning your glasses a bit. And uh, but you start seeing a lot of things that. God, I don't know if they're real well, or not. You're, you're also living on very little of sleep yeah. as well. Yeah. Four, sleep, four, yeah, four, four hours, hours on and off. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is probably less than that because by the time you get off, you go. Yeah. Um, by day six, you start you're struggling. Change your clothes, yeah. you know, get out of what you were wearing, get something to eat, go to the bathroom. Yeah. Try and lay your head down. Yeah. You know, it's probably only a couple of hours. So, yeah, yeah. I can definitely you're see those deprived. hallucinations. Yeah. It's even hard to get. You know, do basic things after day of three or four uh-huh. in your life. You know, like put a shoes on. Right. It becomes really difficult. You got to really think hard about. You forget everything and oh. it's a bit trancey. Yeah. I bet. But it's like that for everyone. Yeah. Um, and that's what. Anything else crazy you've seen in the water? Uh, have you seen some crazy I've seen sea some life? large fish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have seen some a lot of sleeping whales on the surface. Uh-huh. Um, and I've heard a lot of noises. Have you ran decks. over any? Uh, we haven't bumped into one, but I know a lot of people that, that have, and they uh-huh. just wipe their rudders off, and mm. it's pretty ugly when you hit a sleeping whale. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're um, on a single hole yeah. with a giant. Yeah. How, how big are the keels on those things? Yeah, they're big. They're like uh, 40 they're 20 feet. feet 20 feet? Yeah. That's huge. So you're picking anything up. Yeah. 20 feet. Have you picked up like nets and just yeah. logs? Yeah, and I had sliced a seal in half. Oh. That was pretty ugly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. Hitting a seal at 40 knots and... No, there's nothing cool about it. That's not cool. Yeah, we were about to have a um, super ferry over here in Hawaii. Right. And it was going to transport people in their vehicles um, back and forth between the islands. Uh, but they shut that down because of the whales. They didn't want right. to hit them. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, exactly. Have you had whales just breach right in front of your boat? Yes. Just scare yes. the shit out of yep. you? Like, oh, my God, I'm going to hit this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had well, a lot of containers. Um, if people, you know, they fall off ships all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. 40-foot containers, and they just float about uh, six feet from the surface. Ah. So, so the ocean's littered with those containers, which is sad. Wow. But the ship, they just fall off, and they just keep going. And there could be anything in there, cars, yeah, yeah, freaking yeah. yep. luxury items. And yep. And they're just out there floating. Huh. They don't sink. Really? Yeah. It's wow. pretty Yeah, there's a lot of that there's a lot of that around. Well not a lot, but that's not un, unusual to see huh. containers. 
Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of debris in the water over here because of that uh, Japan tsunami. Yes. So we get all kinds of little boats and uh, stuff that, you know, float off in the current lines out here and sometimes come close to land. I've had a couple of friends that have picked up some really cool Ponga boats that were um, just floating out there upside down and they brought them wow. back in and cleaned them all wow, up that's... and repainted them and... Dude, these things are sick. I yeah. want one so bad. Show it up on the beach. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I could find one out there. You know, really nice size ones, too. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, Mike, or Craig, why did I call you Mike? I don't know where <laughs> Mike came from. I'm looking at the microphone. But Craig, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Okay, We're going to wrap it up right pleasure. here. And uh, I look forward to uh, hanging out with you more. And yeah. I think that you and I have pretty much got a pretty strong relationship going on here. Yeah, yeah. Especially with Miss Jackie over here. <laughs> We're going to be hanging out for a long, long time. <laughs> for sure. And I want to get you back on the show. Okay. That'll see be great. what's been going on. Uh, check in with you. And uh, hopefully you'll have some more cool stories for us. And, dude, I'm so excited yeah. to have you on here. You're an awesome, oh, awesome, pleasure. awesome dude. Exciting and, times. And uh, thanks for being on the yeah. show. Nice one, Dozer. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, uh, hooey ho. Craig, thanks for being on the show. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And once again, a big shout-out to my sponsors for making this happen. Because without them, I could make this happen for you guys. And you guys all know that I'm a big fan of the ocean. And that's why I live on the Big Island. Um, because of its amazing waters and, and all kinds of killer activities that you guys can do. So if you're ever planning on coming over and spending some time in my backyard on the Big Island, make sure that Kona Boys is your first stop. They've been serving up gear for island life in Aloha since 1996. They're the one-stop shop for ocean fun. They operate a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides, paddleboard tours that I just got to do with Craig and Jackie and uh, they also have lessons and they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kalakekua Bay. That's where you're really going to see all the dolphins. So if you ever need rentals for bikes and boards and boogies or any other beach goodies then Kona Boys is your spot. Go check them out. They've got two locations. One down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel and then one over in Captain Cook where they can just completely load you up or just go online and check them out at KonaBoys.com. Just for listening, you can punch in promo code DOZENOSE whether you're at the, at the shop or on the website and uh, you'll get 15% off right off the bat. Original Nutritionals, they are not your regular meathead supplement brand. It's just pure basic and essential food and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. My buddy Logan founded the company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it right. Go to OriginalNutritionals.com, grab what you need. Once again, one more time, Doze Nose at checkout, 15% off. Kona Coffee and Tea. It's where I get my morning crack every single morning. If you guys ever want to come down, hang out with me. Get there around 8.30. I will be there and uh, drinking some of the best coffee in the world. They grow it up on the slopes of Walleye. They bring it down every day, roasted and fresh, so that we can enjoy. So check them out. Also go to their website, KonaCoffeeandTea.com and uh, 
see what it's all about, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. GoPro. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves engaged in their sport, GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves engaged in their interests, whatever they may be. From extreme to mainstream, GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. For more information, go to GoPro.com or check them out on all social media sites such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I know they have the new GoPro 5 coming out and the new GoPro drone. This thing's badass. I cannot wait to get one. I'm going to go to LA here in the next two weeks and hopefully I get to pick one up and play with it and show all you guys. I'm so excited. Also, I'm going to, while I'm there, I'm going to go see my friends at Hurley. Um, Hurley has the best board shorts on the planet. We all know this. Um, it's the Phantom Board Short. It's the only short I wear. They're badass. That's why they have all the top guys from John John Florence to Chris Amore and Philippe Toledo and you name it. The list goes on and on. So go check them out at Hurley.com. Maverick Sport Fishing Kona. These guys, if you're ever in Kona, you're going to want to come here. Go fishing with them. Captain Trevor Child. Give them a shout at 895-7956. Um, or check them out at mavericksportfishingkona.com. They specialize in giant fish from marlin to ahi, mai mai, and ono. They have half-day charters, three-quarter-day charters, full-day charters, overnight charters. Um, mention Doe's Nose. He'll hook you up, give you a killer discount. Uh, yeah, it's, I love these guys. Best boat on the planet. Also, check out Deuce Jim if you're ever in um, Venice Beach. Yeah, man, these guys will customize a workout made specifically for you to help you get healthy, and back in that shape, you know, um, we're about to be going into the holidays and people are going to be grinding a lot and packing on a few pounds. But um, if you're working out constantly and you're at Deuce Gym, I'll tell you what, man, these guys are going to keep you in shape through the holidays so you burn that stuff straight off. So check them out, Deuce Gym in Venice Beach. Also, they're on social media, Deuce Gym. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. I have another great guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is now. You're going to have to wait and see. But um, until then, uh, we hope. <laughs>